Thank you very much for letting me come this afternoon. I have been very privileged in my lifetime to have enjoyed many, many wonderful opportunities and occasions, honors, but I count today as one of the great opportunities of my life. Thank you, Superintendent Mark Dean, for inviting me to come and be with all these missionaries that are going out to be here with my, my champion of all champions, Denny Curran, and of course, one of his, one of his nephews, Derek Ross, and uh, all of the pastors who have helped to make this all possible, priority one. It is a joy for me to be a missionary with the Assemblies of God, working in tandem with them, as your superintendent has said, around the world. Some really fun stuff, great stuff, because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. We don't know how it all started exactly. Is it possible that God the Father called his son, Jesus, into the office and said, Jesus, the world needs a savior. I'm going to send you down to the earth. So we pick up the story in Nazareth, rather in Bethlehem, where Jesus, born of a virgin, Mary was her name, Joseph took her to be his wife. And for the next 30 years, they lived in Nazareth. Joseph was a master carpenter, and Jesus was there with Mary and Joseph and the family where his father was building condominiums and strip malls and apartment buildings. And in that environment, Jesus Christ matured. And at the age of 30, began his ministry. Now, what did Jesus do when he launched his ministry? He called to himself 12 disciples who came from a variety of backgrounds to follow him. One was a fisherman, one was educated, one wasn't. They came from a variety of economic backgrounds, social backgrounds, educational backgrounds to follow Jesus. And in the process, Jesus formed the first Assemblies of God Bible School. They had 12 students. It was a three-year course. He taught them from the prophets. He taught them how to pray. He taught them how to, how to have miracles. He taught them all of this. And in the process, they did not fully understand why he had come, but he knew why he had come. Even though Judas at the end betrayed him, even though the 11 deserted him, Jesus knew why he had come. He had come to be the savior of the world. That's why he allowed his captors to take him and bind him to the cross of Calvary. And there on the cross of Calvary between two thieves, he said these marvelous words, it is finished. I have paid it all. And I have good news for you at Lake Geneva. And I have good news for America and the world. Our sins have been forgiven. Hallelujah. Peter no longer could handle the guilt. Three days later, where did they lay Jesus? And they found Jesus sitting outside of the borrowed tomb, the resurrected Christ. Their eyes fastened on each other. And Jesus said to the Peter, go and get the others. I want to talk to them. We have one more assignment. Peter knew where they were. He went and got the other 10, and they came and met with Jesus. Jesus said, now here's the deal. I got to go to the Father. I'm going to tell him everything has happened, but I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. He's going to fill you with supernatural strength like you have never imagined, and you're going to do great things. The things that I have done, you will do greater things than those. And as he was talking, he was caught up from among them. He disappeared in the clouds. The angels came, and they said, this same Jesus that you see leaving is coming back, and I have more good news for you. He is coming back, not only as the ruler of the world, but as the master of our salvation. Hallelujah. 
They went to Jerusalem, and on the way they became evangelists. There were 11 of them. Now there's 120. They got there, and they rented a second-floor apartment by the day. We call it the upper room. They didn't know how long they were going to be there, so they put down the money just for one day at a time, waiting. And they waited for a day, and two, and three, and four, and five, and six, and seven, and eight. But on the tenth day, the Holy Spirit came as all of them were sitting as you are, swept across them, and impregnated them with the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost. And they began as an expression of that to speak in a language they had never learned before. As God filled that place. It was feast time in Jerusalem, and people had gathered in and they heard these people speaking in their own languages. How can this be? And Jesus and Peter heard them saying all of this. And Peter now, full of the Holy Ghost, Peter, who had just betrayed Jesus prior to that, now a, a, a different man than he was, he stood up and he began to preach. And being a Pentecostal preacher that he now was, preached and preached and preached and preached. You know what I'm talking about. Clarence and John was your superintendent for many years. God love him. What a, great, what a great heritage we all have in that man who's led us for so long. Praise God. And at the end of his preaching, he gave the invitation and 3,000 got saved. And if you will come with me this afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, I'll put you in a jet first class. I'll fly you around the world and I'll show you one billion people who today call Jesus Christ their Savior. How is that possible? It's possible because Jesus invested his life in the lives of 11 faithful men. It's not rocket science, ladies and gentlemen. You don't have to have a, a, a degree in chemistry and, and biology to understand it. Just simply doing as Jesus. Jesus did. So when Joyce and I, after serving churches in Iowa and Kansas, felt it was time to go to do as God had called me to go to the mission field, we said, we will go, but we can't go by ourselves. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll go to Spain, but we need with this. And God gave me a special verse. All of us have special verses that become ours. And mine was Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the substance of things that things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I believe that because Paul said that everybody's given, been given a gift of faith. It's not because I was, it was not because it's not none, none of those reasons. It's just simply God gave it to me. God gave it to you. All of us have the gift of faith. We all have that. And I began to travel across America. I said, we're going to go to Spain and we're going to build a Bible school. We need your help. And people responded and, 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 and they said, we're with you. We believe God. And along the way, as I was traveling across this great country of ours, as itinerant missionaries do, somebody gave me the book by John Lawrence called Life's Choices. And in that book, he outlined the seven laws of sowing and reaping that became impregnated in my own life, in my own heart. I want you to look at number one. It says, we reap what we sow. This is, this is, this is, this is not, this is not, this is, but you know, it's amazing how many people don't learn that. They don't understand that. They want to sow this and they don't want to reap. No, 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 no. We reap what we sow. Number two, we reap the same kind of what we sow. You put corn in, you're going to get corn out. You put wheat in, you put, you put in junk, you're going to get junk out. So, so, number three, we reap in a different season from what we sow. 
Number four, we reap more than we sow. Thank God. If you sowed good stuff, that's great. If you sowed bad stuff, you're in trouble. But we reap more than what we sow. The law works. The law works. You choose the seed. It doesn't make any difference. So number five says we reap in proportion to what we sow. And then number six, we reap the full harvest if we persevere. Oh, I love this. We reap the full harvest. I was in Tanzania. I was in Tanzania. And they said, could you help us? And I said, yes. So I went to Tanzania. And I was out in the countryside. And when I was there, Tanzania, I'm sorry, Ethiopia, Ethiopia, Ethiopia. And, and Ethiopia, in Ethiopia, it had not rained for two years. United Nations was there feeding the people to keep them alive. 80 million people. Had not rained for two years. And I'm out in the countryside and I saw a field that had just been plowed by an oxen and there's just one it's just a, just a little it wasn't a John Deere and 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 I I saw the farmer who now had this freshly plowed field and he had a big bag of wheat on his chest and he was walking down the furrows and he was sowing the seed and I said look at this guy it hasn't rained for two years and this guy believes more than some Pentecostal preachers he believes that if I sow I will reap you will never reap, ladies and gentlemen, unless you first of all put it in, regardless of the soil, regardless of the conditions, regardless of the rain. If he had not sown the seed when the rain came, he never would have had a harvest. So we reap the full harvest if we persevere. Just simply don't quit. Then number seven, we cannot do anything about last year's harvest, but we can about the year to come. Oh, I love that. You know why? I've done some stupid things and you never have, but I've done some stupid things in my life and thank God, thank God, we can't do anything about that. I can't go back and redo that, but I can do something about today and tomorrow and the rest of my life. And that's what fills me with hope and with encouragement and with renewed faith. For we cannot do anything about last year's harvest, but we can about the year to come. Those are the seven laws. But now I want to give you the seventh, the eighth law, and this is Sam's law. Write it down. Sam's law, number eight. The most significant day of the harvest is the day that you choose the seed. The most significant day of the harvest is you choose the seed. There are 15 couples here this afternoon who have chosen to give their lives full time to go abroad and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. They have chosen. Sitting beside them is 150 to 175 pastors who chose to go to Pillager, who chose to go to, to Minneapolis, who chose to go to, 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 and you have chosen, and we, we are the ones. Nobody, nobody has made these people go. There's no guns on their back. They chose, and the most significant day of the harvest, there will always be a harvest, but the most significant day of the harvest is the day that you choose the seed. So you decide, I decide. But nobody ever told me as I was traveling, I was, I was preaching, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Nobody ever told me that, the, that our faith will be tested and that the greatest test of faith is time. The greatest test of faith is time. So this afternoon, to help you remember what I'm saying to you, I have asked James Leonard and Kyle Peterson to help me, and they put it in your hands, an egg. 
And I want you to take that egg in your hand right now and keep it right there, if you would, please. Hold that in your hand. For I want you to remember this, to be patient. To be patient. For in time, even an egg will walk. In time, even an egg will walk. This camp was never built in a day. This building was never built in a day. That building over there was never built in a day. The new building will not be built in a day. It takes time, ladies and gentlemen, but God calls upon all of us to persevere and to never look back, but to put our hands to the plow and go straight ahead for the kingdom of Jesus Christ, regardless of what happens in the election, regardless of what happens with the vaccine, regardless, God has called us and we must persevere. That's what the, has, God has in store for all of us so we went to Spain in 1966 there was no religious freedom you couldn't do anything that's how much the Assemblies of God four missions thought of me you go there where you can't do anything <laughs> but I knew I knew that if I went and I planted one church, two churches, three churches, that would be wonderful. And I could talk all about it in my newsletters. And this would be super. And people would applaud me and give me an additional $2 monthly support. But I knew, I knew that the most significant thing I could do would be to do as Jesus did. And that is to find one or two or three or four that we could teach and we could train. That's exactly what we did. We turned a little farm into a Bible school, and that Bible school produced four graduates. And those four graduates today, 45 years later, ladies and gentlemen, have given to us hundreds and hundreds of places of Pentecostal worship across Spain that never existed before because they just simply did as Jesus did. That's the principle that God has given to us. So while I'm there, I got a call to come to Portugal. Now, Spain and Portugal make up the Iberian Peninsula, which comes off of France. And I went over to Portugal, and I discovered that the Portuguese Assemblies of God had 60 congregations in the city of Lisbon and only three full-time pastors. 60! So they said, we're going crazy. I said, of course you are. Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. I said, what you need, what you need, you need. They said, what do you got in mind? I said, you need to have a Bible school. Oh, they said, that's a great idea. Yes, and we want you to come and build and direct it for us. Oh, I said, no, I could never do that. I was, my plate was pretty full and I could, no, no, no. One day God said, Sam, I want you to do that. I said, I'll do that. <laughs> I had one boy that went with us to Spain. Now I have three, must have been the water. And so I scooped up my family after nearly five years and we came to America and I began to crisscross the country and I said, we're gonna build a Bible school in Portugal. We're gonna build a Bible school in Portugal. Would you help us? Could you help us? And people responded, people responded because people wanna help you do the work of God. Remember that, they wanna help you. And so we're going and we're going and we're going and the day came, we flew off to Portugal and the next day after I arrived, I walked all over 30 acres on the edge of the city of Lisbon that had been waiting for us to purchase. They knew I was coming with a bag full of money and they'd been looking for a place to buy and I, they, they had this little farm on the edge of the city of Lisbon. I said, that's it. 
So we negotiated with the owner. How much do you want? We came to a fair price. I went to the lawyer and I said, we want to buy this property. And, da, 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 da. and he said, okay, fine. So come back and see me in a couple of weeks. I'll drop all the papers. I went back in a couple of weeks. He said, we're running into a little problem, but if you could come back next week. I went back every week, January, February, March, April. What's going on? None of us. I couldn't. I don't know. And I'm just, so I, I so it was April the 25th. Four months after we were in Portugal, I send my kids off to school, and within two hours, they're back in the house. I said, why are you boys back in the house? You, no, 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 no. They said the headmaster of the school said, get back home, shut the door, pull down the blinds. There's a coup going on in the country. Wow. I didn't realize, really, the situation in which we lived. A dictatorship, two of them in 48 years. And now the government had, was being overthrown by the military. A coup was happening. Well, I had never seen a coup before. So I put the kids in the house, went downtown, saw a coup. A coup. <laughs> sure enough, there's a coup. There's, there's armored cars and tanks and all kinds. Wow. This, I got back home and shut the door and pulled in the blinds. And so, 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 so the army had risen up against the dictatorship and overthrew the government. And I went back to the lawyer's office a couple of weeks later and I said, can you interpret for me what just happened? And he said, if you come back and see me soon, I think I'll have a good interpretation for you. And when I went back, we were successful, ladies and gentlemen, in buying the property you see on the screen, the first Protestants ever buy property like that in Roman Catholic Portugal. How is it possible? Possible because Jesus Christ sent, came to die for the whole world and he has a plan if we'll just keep working at it. Now, I don't always ask God for a coup, but whatever, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I'm cool with it. So we begin to build, we begin to build, we begin to build, we begin to build, we begin to build. And we're building, we're building, we're building. While I'm studying the Portuguese language, we're building, we're building, we're building. And the spring of 1975, nearly a year later, at midnight, there was a knock on my door. I got out of bed, went to the door, and opened it, and there was a, there was a military man with his rifle. I said, what do you need, sir? He said, is your name Samuel Johnson? I said, yes, it is. He said, come with me. I said, just a moment. I went into the bedroom. My wife was awake. She said, who's there? I said, somebody wants to see the school. I pulled on my pants. I followed the jeep up to the school, full of soldiers. What I didn't know was that the military that overthrew the government had quickly embraced the communistic ideology. And the country had gone from the rightest to the leftist quickly. And now I was arrested. They sat me down in the little car barn that was there. And they began their search of property. Because I work for the CIA, they said. And they're looking. We had 30 acres, wall all the way around, looking, 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 looking. I'm sitting there all night. And as the dawn began to come, the soldiers began to come back and said, Capitan, Capitan, nosso podemos encontrar nada. No, I couldn't find anything because I had never hidden anything because they said I had hidden arms. I was going to have a counter-revolution. Look at this face. Do I look like? No, but they said that I was going to be a counter-revolutionary. And so they had arrested me. And when they could find nothing, they had to sign a paper and let me go. But you never knew when they would come back. 
But for the next eight years, nine years altogether, ladies and gentlemen, I never stopped building. I built dormitories. I built classrooms. The government righted itself. We began to have a democracy, and we kept building and building and building and building and building. And nine years later, you see what God helped us to build, a Bible school for over 300 students that now, 45 years later, has given to the Assemblies of God thousands of graduates. And if you will come with me today, I will show you the Assemblies of God Portugal today is the number one Protestant denomination. How is that possible? It's possible because even an egg will walk if you never quit. I'm not suggesting that you all become hands and you sit on the... No, but I'm suggesting that all of us persevere. Persevere. Never quit. Never stop. You wonderful candidates... If you haven't raised all your money, never stop. Take that egg with you to every church you preach in. And if you'll just be patient, and if you'll just work it at it, and you'll just keep going Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and work at it, work at it, work at it, work hard at it, work hard at it, work at it, your pledge budget will all be fulfilled. And then when you get to the field and they got to my language school and you're beginning to conjugate the verbs and you say, oh, this is terrible. Why didn't they tell me I would have to take the egg? Remember that if you persevere, even the egg will walk. And whatever you will find, you will find all kinds of difficulties. But you must remember that faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence, the evidence of things not seen. Boy, it's good stuff. Can you, can, you, can you watch the watch? Because I, I don't want to go over my time limit. Can you tell me how much more time I have? Enough. No, it's not enough. But I want to learn how to sit on this like Scott. Never I was sitting at supper. I was sitting at supper with one of the greatest women of the Assemblies of God. Hulda Buntain. She and her husband went to India, Calcutta, India, 70 years ago. Took them six months on a ship. When they got there, they were so overwhelmed by the poverty. They began to feed people. They began to feed people. And it turned into a daily thing. Until today, from that day until today, they have fed 10,000 people every day. From that time until today. He built a hospital seven stories tall. If you're sick, don't worry about the money. We'll take good care of you. They started several hundred churches and schools. And then Mark Buntain, that great, great preacher that he was, one day had a massive heart attack. His body just simply wore out and he collapsed. She was out of the country and when she rushed back, he was gone. And at the funeral, there were thousands and after the funeral, she went up into his office and she found on his desk the plans that had just been approved for the new church that he wanted to build. Now you have to understand that when she saw that in those days in India, women had no rights at all. None. And there were no women preachers. But she said, 
I'm a woman preacher. I'm the, I'm the wife of Mark Montaigne. The Bible says that, that David was anointed three times. Sometimes you have to anoint yourself. She just anointed herself. She said, I'm a woman preacher, and I'm going to build this. I'm going to build this church. And she began to build, and she began to build, and she built a seven-story beautiful facility. You've been there, Pastor Mark. You've preached in that great facility. She built this incredible, I don't know how, but she did it. And she started in the basement of Bible school. Now she's got 50 students, 100 students, 150. 50 students and she's sitting beside me this really works well she's sitting beside me she's sitting beside me at supper and she said to me in all earnestness she said you don't love me anymore I said hold on how can you say I don't love you everybody loves you we worship you almost we adore you she, and she said no 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 you don't love me I said how can you say that she said because you have never been to Calcutta well I said you're right I never have because everybody went to Calcutta. You know how it was, Mark. Everybody went to Calcutta. Calcutta. Mark Bentain. Mark, Mark, Mark. Nobody knew about Hulda because she was taking care of the books. Mark, 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 Mark. And now Mark was gone. She said, I started the Bible school in the basement of the church. I got 150 students and I can't go up. I can't go out. What am I going to do? And I need you to come and help me. And I said, I'll take a look. And I went to Calcutta. And this is what I found. A boy's home. A boy's home. I went there. There's, there's a sign in front of the door. I said, this is a boy's home. I said, really? How many boys do you have? 25. In a three-story building. I said, why don't you use this for the Bible school? Oh, they said, we could never do that. No, 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 no. It was given for a boy's home. I said, I know the organization built it. Let me ask them if we could make a change. They said, oh, blah, blah, blah. no, no. I said, that. so I came to America. I made a phone call. I said, I was just in Calcutta. I saw the home that you folks built, and we need it for the Bible school. I want to come and see you. They said, what do you have in mind? I said, I would like to ask you to give it to us. They said, let's have, a, well, let's have a meeting. They met that afternoon, and they gave it lock, stock, and barrel to the Assemblies of God to build a Bible school with one proviso. We need a boys' home for 25 boys. That's all they had. I said, it's a deal. So they gave us the three-story building we put on the fourth floor. Now we got four floors. It's a beautiful building. It's on a beautiful campus on the fourth floor. And they came to me and they said, no, 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 no. We have to have a women's dormitory. I said, what do you mean? You've got four floors. You can have room for women, men. Yeah, but they said because of our culture and our custom, the women can't be in the same. And we have to, you know, and it's amazing. They'll eventually get together with the boys. But they said, we have to have, I said, oh, I said, I said, I said, was I, they said, we need to, so they drove, they drove 3,000 pilings into the ground in the back of that building, and now you see what we were able to help build for them, a women's dormitory for a hundred women. Now the school has a facility for 250 students. It's the only school of its kind serving all of North India. It's possible, ladies and gentlemen, because if you are patient, even an egg will walk. That property today is valued at five to six million dollars, all for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, all paid for by God's wonderful donors, made possible because we never quit. We never quit. It took us six years, ladies and gentlemen, to make that all happen. It doesn't happen just because you decide you're going to do something. You have to keep working at it and working at it and working at it. That's the plan that God's given to all of us. So I'm sitting in my office, nice bench. 
And I got a phone call. I'm in Burnsville, Minnesota. I got a phone from a man by the name of Dr. Barnabas Mokambali. He said, my name is Barnabas. I said, that's great. Everybody's got to be somebody. And he said, no, 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 no. I'm the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God of Tanzania. I said, that's wonderful. Wow, congratulations. He said, no, no, no. He said, I heard that you helped to build Bible schools. I said, yes. He said, I want to come and see you. I said, come along. He came to Minneapolis. I got him a motel, bought him a supper. He never ate. We talked, we talked, we talked, we talked. I said, what do you have in mind? He said, God has given to us a plan in Tanzania that in 10 years, we're going to start 10,000 new churches. I said, wow. Dr. Barnabas, how are you going to do that? He said, no, 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 no. It's not how I'm going to do it. It's how you and I are going to do that. I said, what do you have in mind? He said, if you'll come, I'll show you. And I went to Tanzania. And this is what I found. I found the building that was started in 2007, right during the economic crisis. The church never went back. Never went back, never built another block, never did another thing, never went back. For five years, it sat there just like that. And when I saw that, a boy's dormitory, I said, devil, get out of my way. We are going to do what God intends to do right here in this country. We're going to do something even though it's never been done before. And God began to help us in a tremendous way. And I want you to see what God helped us to complete. A men's dormitory for 250 boys on a campus called Central Bible College. Central Bible College. Praise God. Right in the center of the country of Tanzania, a country of 50 million people. So they said, could you build for us a, a, a chapel? I said, yes, I could. They, but the chapel grew beyond what we even, it grew. It, 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 I can't, I don't really have time to even explain it, but it grew. And now it seats 5,000 people. It's a beautiful place. It's a great facility that God has helped us to provide for them. And then I said, okay, now I'm done. I'm out of here. No, 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 not yet. We need more academic. We need more classroom space. I said, what are you talking about? He said, come on, look. So I went over there and they did it and so okay and so God helped us I took the egg one more time I kept rubbing the egg rubbing the egg believing God trusting God and this is what we got an academic center that we just dedicated pre-COVID this March for 700 students right there in Dodoma to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ all of this I'm just saying to you ladies and gentlemen and especially to my candidate friends be patient for in time, even an egg will walk. They said, we need to have a seminary. I didn't even know how to spell it. Seminary. For what? We, need, we don't have a seminary in the English language at the PhD level. I went to Bible school, Derek. I went to Bible school. I got my degree 40 years later. And I, 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 a seminary. I said, okay, let's, could we drop some plans? The plans exploded. It just got, I took my egg and I had to rub it and I rub it. But you'll see now what's happening. In September of this year, they just had the groundbreaking for it. I'm sorry, the, the laying of the cornerstone five weeks ago. And in September of this year, in September of this year, we will dedicate the five-story building that you see on the screen. 
to become the first English-speaking seminary at the PhD level for all of Africa, 53 nations, all to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. How is that possible? Possible only because we're trying to do as Jesus did. Be patient, for in time, even an egg will walk. I don't know where your pastors are today in the building of your buildings and the encouragement of your people, talking to them with Zoom and online and all the rest of the things we have to do. My word to you today is just simply to be patient. Faith has never changed. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But the greatest test of faith is time. Keep working at it, keep working at it, keep working at it. And God will give to every one of you missionaries your budget's so full that you won't be able to, you'll have a lot. (laughs) And when you get to the field and you don't understand, mom and dad and the kids are a long ways away, God will come and he'll remind you, I called you, I promise you I'd never leave you and forsake you, and I'm with you. Take the egg with you all the way to your country. And let it remind you of God's faithfulness in your lives. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you this afternoon for giving to me the opportunity these last number of years to travel around the world for one purpose, and that is to try to emulate you to do as you did, Jesus. Building facilities where men and women can be trained the good news of Jesus Christ. And so I pray this afternoon as I join with those who will come in a moment, lay their hands on these new missionaries, commission them, that all of us, regardless of our position in life, regardless of what our station is, regardless of what they call us, all of us will take the principles of sowing and reaping, apply them to our lives, the gift of faith, and keep it relevant every day. In Jesus' name I pray.